Welcome back to another episode of Plutocrat Talks. I'm your host, David Palin Jr. And before we get into this next guest interview, we need you to subscribe, like, and follow so that we can share more content with you. So once you get finished doing that, jump right in to Sports Business with Rondell Davis. All right. Um, well, thank you all for listening. Um, you're tuning into another Plutocrats Talks. I'm your host, David Palin Jr. And I'm here with my guy, man. I'm here with the one and only Rondell Davis, man. How you feeling today? Feeling good, man. It's a little rainy in LA, which is different, uh, but made the trip down here. Excited to support you in the podcast. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming and uh, they lied to us. <laughs> they said it never rains in Southern California <laughs> and it's been like a week straight. Yeah, it's been heavy this year. 2023 has been heavy. <laughs> so um, Rondell and I, we're both at uh, Anderson, but we have a little bit of different experiences. So I wanted to, for those who have never met you, open it up with, uh, I would say it's a simple question, but it's complex. Uh, who is Rondell Davis? Okay, so I, I definitely think there's layers to that answer. Um, <clears throat> in terms of who I am right now in business school, mm -hmm. uh, my mindset, I would just say in one word, hustler. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm someone that's had to overcome a lot, uh, kind of make it through a lot of situations where the odds weren't in my favor. Uh, first generation college student, uh, first in the fam to go to graduate school, really proud of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of used education as a pillar to get out of, you know, the hood, inner city neighborhood, et cetera, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm from Boston, so I'm an East Coast guy. Uh, my background is accounting, so I'm a CPA. I've worked in, you know, accounting for years, um, but I've always had a creative side. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know I did like six years of theater um, in high school and in undergrad. I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, public <laughs> speaking's always been my thing, acting, that that comes with the skill set. And now I've just always been driven to kind of really be the best that I can be mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, and so again, I'm a hustler who's in business school right now, looking to pivot into the uh, sports management or sports business, um, get somewhere within that industry. and. Yeah, I'm also a, a really generous person, um, someone with a big heart. I love bringing people together from mm -hmm. different backgrounds. So a part of my capstone project is working on a business idea that brings MBAs together. Um, I really feel that I have a knack for that and I find enjoyment in that. So that's how I would answer that question. Okay. And honestly, that knack for bringing people together was how I even met Rondell. He was throwing a, a function, I pulled up yeah. and it was nothing but amazing people. But you said a lot there and I wanna start to unpack it. You said that you had to come through a lot of adversity. Mm -hmm. So being the first in so many things, yep. not only undergrad, but graduate school, mm -hmm. what motivates you or how do you stay motivated? Uh, yeah, that's a good one. What mo it, It's really just, the desire to succeed. Um, I really want to put my my fam, my immediate family on my on my back and like provide for them. Mm. One of the first things I want to do is just get a nice crib. Um, I was actually raised by my grandma, so get a nice crib for my grandma and then my cousin's siblings that I was raised with. Um, most of the people in the black community can understand what yeah. that means, but kind of taking care of them and making sure that they're not 
you know, living in the same standards we grew up in and, and being an example to my community that I grew up from that, hey, if I can do it, you can too. All you really, all it takes is the dedication um, and sacrifice, which, you know, it, it built, it adds up to a lot. Um, but when you knock it out day by day, um, anything is possible. So I would say the motivation is that desire to really make sure my family's okay and the desire to kind of feel that I've given my best and that I'm satisfied with my effort. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm always tweaking little things I do in my routine, um, trying to get the best out of myself or others. Wow. And y'all don't know, this is this is January. So this mm-hmm. is the beginning of the year. Yeah. So uh, I don't know where you are in your process. Yeah. You say you're tweaking things. So if you had to, Title this chapter, mm-hmm. this chapter, uh, I'm someone that's big and just taking time to really, Lord, what is what is the word for this year? So for mm. me, this year is about being fearless, just going after mm. it. But in the Rondell story, what would you title this chapter? Yeah, I, I would title this chapter uh, Fork or Fork in the Road. Whew. Um, because it's a huge transition year. Mm-hmm. You're class of 2023, right? Yes, so yeah, we're both graduating. So it's like coming out of B school, um, I'm forking, I'm pivoting away from, again, the accounting career. And I'm either going to go the route of the sports business or I'm going to go my own route of starting my own business. Um, and we've seen plenty of Anderson alum be successful with their business creations or you know work towards being successful in that path after B school. And so these next five, six months are going to shape a lot of what my future looks like. It's literally going to change like my financial, uh, my career, like it's going to change finances, career It's going to change, like potentially where I live. I'll likely stay out here in the West Coast. So I look at this chapter as a fork in the road and I would go between the title of, you know, just fork to keep it simple or fork in the road. Okay. That means there's some major decisions coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, and you spoke a little bit about your background. Mm-hmm. You spoke about how you're making the pivot. But before you do, I know that there's some lessons. And here at, at the Plutocrats Magazine, we always want to give some gems for those who are looking to be in the same shoes. Obviously, we, we care about entrepreneurs. So with so much experience in accounting, mm-hmm. what would you say are just three tips that you would have for just entrepreneurs in general? Yeah, so from a from an accounting perspective, you definitely wanna understand your financials. So like at a high level, understand, you know, what's my net income statement? What's my statement of cash flows? What's my balance sheet? And just understand how those statements uh, reflect your financial health. Um, I would, so I would say at a high level, understand that. I would also say understand that um, buying assets for your business is a good thing. And like you get a lot of tax deductions um, for those assets when you depreciate them over time. So knowing what kind of assets benefit you and how they benefit you from a tax perspective. Um, the last thing I would say, and hopefully this encourages people to kind of keep businesses going even through losses is like, Uh, be aware of your net operating loss. Again, this is a tax item. I was a tax accountant. Um, But when you start your business and you're at a loss, no matter how many years you're in that loss, you can can, uh, build those losses together into what's called a net operating loss, and then use that pool of losses to offset income in the coming years until you wipe them all out. Mm. So it's a way that the government kind of gives you a tax benefit. So 
knowing those kind of things from an accounting perspective, I think um, would take a lot of people um, a long way. I hope y'all were paying attention. He's, yeah. he's giving y'all free game. <laughs> You're going to have to pay <laughs> for a little bit more. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because I know there's a, a lot of different people at different levels of their entrepreneur mm -hmm. journey that are listening right now. But uh, I'm going to get into a little harder question. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, we, we discussed a little bit early. Right now, uh, it's important that you advocate for yourself. This is a, a fork. So I, I don't need you to be humble. I need yeah. you to be real. Okay. Uh, you spoke about this journey into sports. So yeah. keeping that same thing, you had to describe yourself using five athletes. You can use any sport that you want, multiple sports. Who would those five athletes be and why? Yeah, and so, yeah, that, this is a good one. Um, I am very humble, so I'd, uh, so uh, this is good to get me uh, thinking about myself in a slightly different way. But I'll come up. I've, I've got some athletes in mind. One of the first ones that come to mind, again, I'm from Boston. I'm going to use Gronk, Rob Gronkowski. Okay. Should be a Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame tight end, played for the Patriots, played for the Bucks. Um, but what I like about him is just his playful spirit. Mm. Um, you know that he puts in work because he was one of the most dominant tight ends. But even while you know, being successful, he still shows that he knows how to play fun, mm -hmm. ha, ha, that he knows how to have fun. Mm -hmm. um, and he's not shy about having, you know, making a, fun of himself and laughing at himself. And, and I find myself to have similar uh, traits. Uh, Got to go with the GOAT Tom Brady. And, okay. and not just because he's of the winning and the championships, but more so because of like his commitment to the craft. Mm. And, you know, he was drafted late. Uh, never was the most talented QB, but he always put in work to maximize his talent, his arm strength, getting the ball out quick, using IQ. So kind of, you know, working on my craft as best as I can, you know, using my strengths as best as I can. Um, one of my favorite athletes is LeBron. And I okay. feel like the similarity there is... Again, along the same lines of a Brady, but more so just like literally working on your craft and adding to your bag. Uh, football, you can only add to your bag, but so much. You can really, you can get better. You can analyze defenses better. But basketball, your bag can get as deep as you want. And I feel like we see LeBron each and every year add something to his game. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm going to go with two other athletes beyond that, those are definitely the top three Um I would say, and I'll and I'll try to go off of uh, athletes that I like, um, but I'll go off of another Boston guy, uh, Patriots guy, Julian Edelman, okay. or better yet, okay. Julian Edelman slash Steve Smith. Um, Steve, they're two yeah. wide receivers, yeah. and to me, they they got the dog in them. They got that dog in them, that fierce competitiveness, uh, which is something I definitely see in myself. Um, especially when I'm like really locked in on whatever I'm doing, whether that's sport or, you know, classroom. Um, and then who's, who's, hmm, that's four right there. Mm -hmm. If I were to give a fifth one, um, I would say that it's, I'm trying to think of a, someone that has a skill set of just bringing people together. I'm, I'm going to go with my guy, uh, I'll, I'll throw a curveball in there. I'll go with my guy, uh, Kaepernick. Okay. Um, because okay. he did bring a lot of people together on a topic that was not necessarily the most easy to discuss. And he did it to his own detriment. Um, I find amongst most of my 
circles of close friends that I, I tend to be the one that's always willing to speak up, even if it can rub people the wrong way sometimes, mm -hmm. if I think that leads to healthy dialogue and us pushing forward. So those would be the people that I would, that I would name. Okay, so we got Gronk, we got Brady, LeBron, mm -hmm. Edelman slash Steve Smith. Yeah. And Kaepernick, that's yeah. a very solid list. Yeah. And I, I see all of those attributes. And there's something just in general about sports that just unites us that, you know, no matter if you're Christian, Muslim, or atheist, gay, straight, people are drawn to sports. And uh, I know you're coming on my podcast, mm -hmm. but uh, it sounds like there is... Uh, something brewing in the in yeah. the pot there. Can oh, you yeah. kind of tell us a little bit about the podcast that you're starting and yeah. really why you decided, you know what, I want to add my dog to this fight? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the name of my podcast, which is coming out, is Sports and Layers. We actually did our first recording session last Saturday. It's going to be wow. um, something where I get together with some close friends on a weekly basis to discuss different sports topics. I'm going to leverage my connections at UCLA Anderson and get other sports business association members to mm. jump in and give their mm. perspective, mm -hmm. you know, get professionals from different sports industries to come in and, and give their perspective. But we're, we're literally trying to look at the sports from different views or perspectives. You could, one could say different layers, but we want to look at the long-term effects mm. of long-term impact of sports. You know, when we look at football and the, DeMar Hamlin situation. And, and we think about how people are going to look at the sport 20, 30 years from now, let alone hundreds of years from now, there's going to be a point in time when people will look back at football. I think the same way we almost look at gladiators, like what were they thinking? They're so crazy. Why would they put their body through this? Yes. Two people going 25 miles an hour yes. and running into each other, all the CTE and brain damage. How mm -hmm. could you risk that? Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at the long-term effects. We're looking at, we're trying to analyze sports from, a business perspective. We're going to, of course, look at the athlete's performance. Mm. We're going to also kind of look at the organizational performance. And then we do want to layer in um, kind of critiquing the media as to how they cover sports. Mm. Like when you get a Skip Bayless yes. wilding out with the tweet that he put out there in the midst of all the Damar Hamlin stuff going on and kind of highlighting their errors, the way they highlight the errors of the athletes. Because we believe, and I believe that when you're on a platform, you've got a responsibility to do your due diligence and, you know, hold yourself to the same standard that you're holding others to. Exactly. And so that's how uh, we're coming on, on that podcast. Actually, that, that is that is not only necessary, but it's adding something new. Because I mean, there's I feel too many podcasts that it's just like it's just opinions. There's mm -hmm. not any facts. Right. Or you have just the athletic basis where mm -hmm. it's just like hey i've been either a sports writer for years or i've played so i'm just giving you how i feel but right. bringing in all those perspectives and the business component that mm -hmm. is so necessary right i think it's going to be awesome sure um now with that why but why sports though mm -hmm. you know i i understand like what you're going to bring to the table but what is it about sports themselves that you're just like you know it's caught your interest. I'm sure you can apply that skill set to so many other topics and subjects. Why Why sports? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly driven by interest and passion. Um, I definitely enjoy watching games. Um, I also enjoy competing in games. I like to play a lot of basketball myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the beauty of sports is like, 
you know, it's a craft that shows like your performance shows the work you put in. Mm -hmm. If you're not consistent and you're not putting in work, your game's going to fall off. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I'm playing, the competitive side is like, yo, I got to I got to keep up with my craft. I got to maintain a certain skill level. You got to constantly challenge yourself and go out of your way to fit things in your schedule to keep, you know, putting in work on your craft. Um, from a career perspective, it was, I, I would have never thought I'd, there'd be opportunities to have a fruitful career in sports before moving to New York. And I was there for four years, but I worked right alongside a buddy of mine who I went to high school with. Uh, we went to Boston Lion School, shout out BLS, okay. oldest high school in the nation. <laughs> Hold it down. All, all, pretty much every forefather of the country went there. And what I mean by forefathers, Ben Franklin, John Adams, Sam Adams, <laughs> they're all graduates of the high school before they let, you know, color folks in and women. And then eventually they started opening their doors more and more. Um, but while I'm working as a CPA accountant doing 80 hours a week, my man is working at the NFL and he's working literally every Super Bowl. The first, he was there six years, like six years out of undergrad. And of course, being past fans, he's working at Super Bowls where the Patriots are playing. There's, he's got pictures, there's clips of him on the sideline in Incredible. those Super Bowls. He was there when the blackout happened with the uh, Ravens and Niners Super That's Bowl. Incredible. And so seeing that and like even going around New York with him to where we had another friend who went to our high school that was like, um, manager of suites at Madison Square Garden. So he got us into a suite for free for one game. All you can eat, all you can drink. When I see those kind of perks and I started to actually understand the business of it, when you when you look at the highest 100, uh, the top 100 rated uh, TV shows in, in terms of views, mm -hmm. 96 of them for 2022 were sports, mm -hmm. uh, were, were live sports. And so, of course, the top, you know, 50 or whatnot are going to be, you know, bat, uh, football or football playoffs, the mm -hmm. Super Bowl, et cetera, NBA finals, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it was understanding sports and the actual kind of money that can be made um, along with that desire to constantly uh, improve myself and enjoy and seeing others improve themselves. Um, as far as the podcast goes, I always have these like sports debates with yeah. friends. So it was like yeah, a natural sure. transition. <laughs> like, let's just record it and, you know, try to monetize it. Um, but I would say those are the main things bringing me to sports. And the cool thing about sports now is that there's this huge intersection between tech and sports. Mm -hmm. When you look at um, what the race really to acquire streaming of sports. So like Amazon recently had made a partnership with the NFL. They've got Thursday night football. And as I'm watching these Thursday night football games, now all of a sudden they've got, they're bringing in music artists. I think I saw like two chains and 21 Savage Definitely. do a performance for the last Thursday night football game, which is dope and lit, but that's all because they want people to keep seeing Amazon. They want to bring in these different business layers and these different kind of advantages they have of the, over other players. Um, you've got Amazon, you've got Google that's, you know, acquiring the streaming space in sports and you've got like Apple. So targeting one of those roles, which will pay an MBA for, you know, an MBA salary coming out of school is also a good thing. So the timing now is best for me Perfect. with my background and the interests as well. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 Um, there's, there's just so many things that I didn't even know that are being added on to just the game. The game itself is fascinating. You're going to get a certain segment of people who just go to that. But right. when you bring in the performing artists, when you bring in, probably mm -hmm. they're going to bring in tech where you have some type of augmented reality or oh, something yeah. interactive. It's just going to disguise the limit. So mm -hmm. that's it. That's exciting. 
but I will change the change the flow, change gears a little bit because I mean I see you fresh. Yeah. But as a Boston guy, yeah. I'm gonna give you a little scenario here. We're gonna we're gonna get into a hypothetical. Yeah. So you're 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 courtside mm-hmm. front row uh, versus the Lakers at home. I gotta know what is the fit. What are, what are you what are you wearing? What are you, it don't have to be a date. It could be a business meeting. You just you know the podcast is taking off. How <laughs> how how you stepping out? So I that's it, part of it. So where where are we in the season? Is this play? Is this like finals? Is this just a regular season game? I say regular season. Regular, okay. I don't want to do All too right, much. You, you know. But honestly, with my style, I'm I'm a bit more laid back. I'm, like the the most important thing to what I'm wearing is some kind of supportive jersey. Like I'm torn between the Lakers and Celtics at home in Boston. I'm going to go with my Celtics jersey. I actually have an Al Horford jersey, which is really meaningful to me. It was hard to get. People literally laughed at me when I was going in malls out here in LA to try to get one. Couldn't find it online. Had to basically custom make the Al Horford jersey. And so a jersey where I'm supporting a player on the Celtics team that isn't a Tatum or a Brown, that isn't a superstar, Mm -hmm. but puts in work um, and means a lot to the team. I'm probably going to be rocking something like like that. Um, And, you know, just going along with and then just, you know, slacks or whatever. Like I'm I'm a pretty chill guy, but the jersey piece for me would be most important. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. We like to throw that in there just to see, you know, what the fits luck and life. (laughs) But um, I appreciate you not only just being authentic to you, but also understanding this platform. A lot of people weren't at your high school, Mm -hmm. weren't at your undergrad, and definitely aren't here with us at UCLA. Mm -hmm. Um, Being an African-American male, um, I wanted to kind of, ask you how was your journey on both coasts yeah what were some of the similarities what were some of the differences and fun, kind of finishing out for someone that's never been to either one of those coasts how how would you recommend they maneuver um okay and again that's from the perspective of being african-american um, male male specifically right. <laughs> so i would say because i've lived in I grew up in Boston, was in New York for four years before coming to L.A. Um, So most of my time, again, is on the East Coast. Um, I did spend a year in Charlotte. That's where my family's from. But Boston and New York, I'll focus on those. I would say um, some of the I'll start with the differences. Um, Now, we're definitely blessed to be in a program like UCLA Anderson because we're around a lot of other business minded people, driven people. Uh, people with good character. Uh, They say LA is the land of smokes and mirrors, which I think I still do see that there's a lot of flakers. There's a lot of people that will kind of try, they, they, people will never try to give you that harsh answer of a letdown or a no, and they'd rather kind of carry you along and give you a last minute flake. So I think if it almost feels like there's a lack of authenticity in terms of like what people share with you when you're generally meeting people in LA um, versus New York, especially Boston too. But like people are going to let you know upfront how they feel. If they think you're doing something that's whack, they will let you know. Um, people kind of like socially police them, police themselves in New York specifically in a way that I don't see 
people do anywhere else. And I think it's just because there's so many different people. Mm. If you on the train by yourself and you yelling, somebody's going to say something like and be like, yo, bro, what's going on? There's other people around. Mm. You might not get that in an L.A. So that's a little bit of the obviously the weather is great in L.A. I think that can make people a little more chill. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally felt a lot more anxiety in New York because it's the city that never sleeps, mm-hmm. that hustle and bustle. Um, as a black male, I feel like I have, you know, in between L.A. and New York, I feel like I have just as much opportunity as my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the opportunity to start a business, um, a lot of it's on me and what I put into it. When it comes to Boston, that's where it becomes a little different. I feel like the op- there's a lot less opportunity for mm-hmm. a black male if you're talking about trying to start something from the ground up. Um, people aren't as business minded in Boston, to my knowledge, or at least the circles I was in. And so uh, I feel like a characteristic of people in Boston is to kind of be slick um, to, yeah, I would say to be slick, but like there are black business owners in Boston, but like, I feel like they're not, they're not actively co- co- collaborating and working together mm. to be like, yo, we got to have this black business. We got to work together. How's everybody trying to contribute? You might see something like, yo, you know, my, I'm a second generation. My, my dad owned a business. I want to own one too. And I'm going to take you guys on, but you guys are going to play this role. And they might give you the roles based on what they see rather than what you can actually bring mm. to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being in business school, you're around people with better um, feels for the teaming and, and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, New York, um, New York is like, you know, it's again, it's the, it's a busy city that doesn't sleep, but people are all about what can you do for them in terms of the work environment, business environment. I love networking in New York. If you show you're loyal and you're honest to someone in New York, like they'll have your back, at least from a business um, perspective. Cause I remember having a friend who worked at bars and again, I like to bring people together and I would be like, Hey, you know, I got a big group of friends out here. We'd like to come by for certain big games. Is that cool? You think you can hook us up? He's like, yeah. And then for like the AFC championship, I think it was 2019 Pats chiefs, one of the best games ever. Um, that guy hooked us up with like the entire bottom floor. Imagine Ooh. like this whole space oh my just to you and 25 friends free of charge. Like we had to pay for what? our drinks there, but he, we didn't have to pay like any down, you know, payment or anything for the space. So leveraging networking is great. But I think mm. New York and LA is more about like how you move, what you can add to people. Boston, you just got to be more strategic because there's a little bit more of that, um, there's a lot more racism in the air. There's a lot mm-hmm. like you can walk into places and feel it. And so, of course, that carries over into business environments. So mm-hmm. uh, that's how it's summed up. I feel like that was a little bit all over, but let me know. No, that was that was been, perfect. So yeah. you hit more on the differences. What, were, what would be some of the similarities and final uh, finishing it up with how to move um, once again from the perspective of a black male? Um, I would say the similarities are that, um, you know, your work product always reigns, you know, above everything else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're not doing your job well in in a Boston um, or New York or L.A., you're, you're you know, you're not going to succeed. So, like, you're going to need that same work ethic, that same grind. Um, I think what is similar is that all of those major cities do have great institutions. Mm. Um, for Boston, there's a ton of great 
educational institutions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for Los Angeles. There's great educational institutions, which people kind of sleep on, but you know, there's tons of great, um, creative institutions out here as well. You've mm -hmm. got Hollywood, you've got tons of sports, uh, successful sports companies, tons of great entertainment companies. Um, of course, you've got all of the above in New York. So I think the ins institutions and the opportunities are there. It's just a matter of, you know, consistently bringing your A game. And in Boston, in the only difference being in Boston in particular, you may have to go a little more above and beyond to prove yourself as a got black it. male. Um, yeah. Got it. Um, well, I appreciate that. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely a Southern gentleman, so yeah. I, I'm new to both coasts. Yeah. So uh, that insight is very, very helpful. And uh, as we kind of work to a close, we got two more questions for okay. you. Um, the first one is, what is a cause that we can get behind? Um, we we definitely appreciate, you know, how we can individually strive and make ourselves better. But how do we make society better? What is a cause that you are passionate about or you feel like other people should um, join you in supporting? Yeah, I like that question. I actually got this recently for a global immersion class, uh, where, where it's, which is basically UCLA study abroad program I'm going to South Africa. One of the big social causes there we're going to be working on and getting educated on is like the HIV uh, mm -hmm. epidemic there because mm -hmm. like there's mm -hmm. still millions of people mm -hmm. infected. But causes that are actually close to me, I'll go with the first one, which is related to sports, but it's the development of organized sports in impoverished regions and communities. Mm. Uh, I think that's what kind of helped me bond with my brothers growing up. If I didn't have those bonds with people around my way, you know, who... Who it was other people speaking up for me to give me passes at times mm. when things were going left, when homies are getting jumped mm. and I'm there breaking stuff up because I don't have it in my heart to just beat up everyone. Yeah. But when you breaking stuff up and you ain't just tearing it down, somebody, <laughs> you might have to, yeah, somebody might come back to you later and be like, what you mean you was breaking it up? Yeah. You, wasn't, you know what yeah. I mean? But those are moments when other people spoke up. So like that brotherhood through sports, um, even though it wasn't even organized, showed me the value of that camaraderie. Mm. So like, I can only imagine, you know, having more organized sports here domestically, but also in places like Africa, Asia, places that are more third world countries where they need the water and the resources um, and they can use the confidence and they can get away from all the other distractions. So that's one of them. Another one that's actually pretty close to my heart is something that I actually have experience with directly. Um, I, I would say it's I would describe it as using theater to educate disenfranchised youth. Mm. Um, and so a job I had as a team was called Youth and Police and Partnership. It's what introduced me to theater. Um, but we met juvenile delinquents right where they were at. We had a play where um, we acted out a shooting that happened. And then after the shooting, there's a key scenario. In this scene, we actually played out twice. The scenario is after the shooting, the guy has his gun. He gives it to the girlfriend. And we show her kind of taking on the gun and that potential responsibility being like, yeah, I'm not, I'm gonna ride or die. I'm gonna roll with you. And then we show play out the scenario where she doesn't take it. And she's like, no, I don't feel comfortable doing that. In both instances, she's kind of on the fence about taking it, but we show the different paths that that decision can take. And like, when she does take it, police arrest her. She gets in trouble when she doesn't take it. You know, the person who was involved in the shooting gets in trouble, but it was that kind of theater and play. And then we opened it up to dialogue. What did you guys notice? What would you have done different? Have y'all ever been involved in these scenarios? Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of touches them a little more. 
Um, it opens their mind to acting, especially when they see kids that look just like them. We were 16 year olds acting in front of 16 year olds um, and talking about it. Um, I think that can be a really great way to facilitate dialogue and make people see, you know, see maybe the errors of their ways or better outcomes mm -hmm. to situations they may come across. Mm -hmm. Especially that piece of you all representing, you, you weren't speaking to 32 year olds. Yeah. It wasn't 50 year olds talking to 16 year olds. They could literally see the authenticity coming from you all and the thoughtfulness behind each scenario. Right. I, I love both of those. So, um, I guess the last question we'll close out is where can we find you? Where can we follow up on the podcast? Or please do not be shy. Mm -hmm. We'll make sure to put this um, links on the post to each of the, the social links that you speak to. But where can we find you? For sure. Yeah. And, and the podcast page will be will continue to develop over the coming weeks. But Sports and Layers right now, we are on Spotify. Again, it's Sports and Layers. Right now, we're on Spotify and we've got and YouTube. Uh, so you can search for us in both of those places. Um, my personal Instagram handle is Suavo Mendez. Um, and you can, of course, find me on LinkedIn under Rondale Davis. Those would be the easiest ways to connect with me um, from a social media perspective. Well, uh, after that, I just have to say thank you. Thank you for blessing sure. us with not only your insight and your journey of how you got here, but we just look forward to seeing this podcast take off. And um, who knows? Who knows who might be another guest uh, guest appearance back here at Plutocrats Talks. I'm David. Thank you all for listening. Peace.